Hey, everybody. Welcome to Press Pause, brought to you by Playing With Power. This is a short episode format where we are going to be interviewing uh, an individual today. But first, I'll introduce our hosts. I am your host, Ben. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mike. Hello. And John. Howdy. And we've got a guest with us today, Triforce Johnson from Brooklyn. Welcome, Triforce. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming. So, I understand that. Uh, so, to give our listeners a bit of history about you, you're a professional gamer. Uh, you've been doing it for many years, and you have a claim to fame. I saw the documentary at least about uh, being the first person online at least I think five different products. Am I right? Uh, for Nintendo, uh, uh, um, eight. It's eight. eight. Um, yeah, because I actually got a Guinness World Record for doing that. <laughs> nice. So, what are the what are the eight? Like, do you want to go? Do you want to um, yeah, if I let's see if I can remember. It technically should have been nine, but uh, when the Wind Waker launch happened, uh, I had stepped off the line because um, the the store wasn't open yet. So they told me come back at six, and I went right. to go get some breakfast at Burger King. And when I returned, two other people were standing in front of me, and I was like, and I returned like at five thirty, and I was like, I thought you said it doesn't open till six, so I missed that. But from there, it was the Nintendo DS. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, the uh, uh, Mario 3D Land for the 3DS, the Wii, the Wii U. Um, uh, let's see, what else uh, was I online for? There's a couple others, but it's like eight in all. So, it's like, like how many con- so how many consoles out of that? Was that three or four for the console? Three, uh, three, three consoles totally. Uh, oh, okay, together. that's cool. Yeah. All right, and then a couple games for good measure as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. More than a few. All right. And so you run an organization called, uh, is it Empire Arcadia? Yes, Empire Arcadia. We're, it's a, um, it, we're an esports team, but um, first and foremost, we're a development company where we use competitive gaming to try to help expand gaming as a whole into different um, areas like fashion, music, art, um, media, technology, education, and so forth. Wow, you're really covering a lot of bases there. <laughs> yeah. So I understand you're going for another Guinness World Record uh, in the next couple of weeks here, right? Yes, uh, actually not the next couple of weeks. It's actually, I'm going for the record this Wednesday uh, to commemorate the launch for the new Guinness World Record um, 2017 Gamers Editions book that launches on the 8th of September. Next year or this year? This year. It's, it's actually this year. This week coming. Oh, okay. And then what's the record that you're going to attempt? Um, the most wins and Tetris Ultimate against the um, master level computer in 24 hours. Okay. Wow. Well, what's so the current so What's the current record at? Blue then. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, the current record's 500 right now, so I, I have to beat that in order to get it. Okay. And do you, have you done any trial runs or anything? Do you know? Uh, I want to leave that a secret. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I hope you, I hope you're successful. <laughs> What's what uh, what kind of prep do you do for for doing a 24 hour run like that? Um. Well, to be honest with you, I, I don't really prep. Um. I um. I I train like first of all, I play the game, and you know, once I, I I'll do like an hour, and I'll say to myself, okay, how many wins can I get in one hour? Right. And, uh, and then I set a a. a, a a goal. Uh, so let's say I go, okay, I need, you know, 20 wins minimum per hour. I'll go for that and I'll play for about two or three hours. And if I can get a consistent average of above 20, 
then I know I'm ready. Okay. Now, do you have one of those, like, pilot jugs where you strap it to yourself so you don't have to get up and pee (laughs) the entire day or anything? (laughs) Well, according to the the way the record's set up by Guinness, um, Mm -hmm. the clock runs no matter what. It it doesn't matter if I get up, if I want to go use the bathroom, if I want to take a rest, if I just don't want to play. Um, once the 24 hours begin, it begins and then it ends at a certain time. So whatever I do in between that, uh, that's on me. So I could get, let's say I can get over 500 wins by, um, in 20 hours. If I, if I want to, I don't have to play the last four hours. I can go take a nap and, you know, and that's about it. And then, uh, right. They, you could they, like, you could try to push the record even higher. Well, I could try to push the record forward. It's up to me. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. J- just make it that much harder for the next person. <laughs> oh, that, that's the ideal. That's the ideal. Yeah. <laughs> so how does the officiating work? Do they have to sit there and watch you the whole time, or do you send a recording in? Yes, there's a Guinness ju- um, judge on on um, present to adjudicate the actual record. Uh, they have a they have a very very uh, like serious adjudication process. There has to be a log. There have to be witnesses. There has to be a recording and a stream plus a judge. Wow. wow. Okay. okay. So is this all happening uh, at your headquarters at Empire Acadia? You get to travel for this. Oh no! Well, uh, our gaming um, house that we used that we used to have, we closed that down in 2015. Okay. I'm looking to reopen um, next year uh, with a brand new place, but we're get, we're just getting a venue, a small venue for this uh, particular event that we're doing in which they, they have the location for it and they can come by and so forth. We're going to have some casters from the gaming community, competitive gaming community there uh, who are going to be on the stream and they're going to be talking about, you know, the different uh, things that's going on in the uh, gaming world for Guinness World Record. There will also be, um, I'll be actually doing some Q&As while I'm playing the game at the same time, talking wow. about my history in gaming and so forth where we are as a team, what we're going to be doing, because um, currently right now I'm not over the place. Right. So um, you've got the business going on. You're doing this Guinness World Record. Uh, is there anyone else participating in a, in a t- Guinness World Record attempt at the same time, or is it just you at this, at the, for this event? Well, for me, it's, it's, uh, for this event, it's just actually me. Like I said, this is a, a, an event to commemorate the actual launch of the 2017 Gamers Edition Guinness Book. Um, so there will be other people there, but they won't be going for the record um, w- uh, with me. It'll just be me playing, I'm um, going for the record, and they will be commentating, and the commentators are going to rotate in and out. Which okay. um, which streaming site are they going to be comment? Is it a Twitch Twitch stream? or? Yeah, or- like, no, it's going to be on YouTube, and it's going to be on 8-Way Run. So if you go on YouTube and you type in 8-Way Run, it'll pop up. 8-Way okay. Run is, is like an, an esports streaming site. They do all types of games there. Smash Brothers, Street Fighter, and they've done majors before. And they're going to be doing this, so you can catch it on YouTube. It'll also be on Guinness World Records website, and I think it's going to be on their Facebook page. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll try to get a link up to send some of our viewers your way, or viewers, listeners your way, too. <laughs> Thank you. I would really appreciate that. Sure. Absolutely. So I understand you also have a documentary coming out in the next couple months, right? Well, uh, yeah, this uh, it's a short film. Um, it's more like a bio. It's not. It's not a documentary. It's more like a bio because um, mm-hmm. usually documentaries 
documentate um, something that has happened and, uh, and and it's other people re- reflecting back at what happened in your per- right. particular point in time. This is more of a bio because it's about me and it's, mm-hmm. it's about um, something I did then till now, or right now at this time, and I'm still alive to be able to, you know, partake in it, so, um, so to speak. Um, about how Empire Acadia came into being, what Empire Acadia is about, where we are now, what we're trying to do in the future. And, um, so, and it goes more in depth in my personal life and the mm-hmm. things that kind of directed me towards a life as a gamer, more so than anything. So it's, it's really like a real in-depth look it's from the death of my mother to the illness of my father to the divorce mm-hmm. of my wife. To the um, you know friend, the loss of friends, the sacrifices, the trials, the tribulations, all the things I had to go to go through to get me to this point, and that that film is coming out at the um, the CAD on the the Camden International Film Festival up in Maine, which is um, later this month, September, September fifteenth through the eighteenth. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think we. Uh... I think Mike reposted the trailer to our page, so we'll make sure to uh, post that when it comes out. Is it? Do you find it difficult to talk about um, the events in your life like that for a filmmaker, or does that come pretty easy for you? No, it comes pretty easy for me. Uh, I have a different mindset from the average person. I watch a lot of world news, actual world news, um, so... I, I watch news from everywhere, all over the world. I don't just watch it from one perspective. And being going back to Jamaica, the, the life that I have in, as a traveler and being in other countries, and you know, going to those ghetto areas in those other countries mm-hmm. and seeing that stuff that happens there, for me, like even with all the 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 the, the, the things that happen in my life that are um, bad and negative in terms of my sacrifice and my losses, my struggles and stuff like that. This not, what happens in my life is nothing compared to the stuff that happens in other people's lives. You know, kids watching their parents die in war zone torn countries. I've seen a, a Facebook um, post where they showed you this kid in Palestine sleeping next to an outline on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's where his mother was. And, you know, it's so. Although I, I, I struggle, I, I have to at the same time, you know, thank, um, give praise to God for, you know, giving me an opportunity to continue to move forward in life. You know, playing video games is a privilege, um, even though it, whether you look at it as a hobby, whether you look at it as a profession for esports, however you want to look at it, playing video games is a privilege. And I have to give thanks that I'm able to even do that. And, and, and it be a part of my life for what I've gained in terms of accolades and, and using those accolades to kind of help people by doing charities and, and things like that. Because like my next stop is I'm going to Africa and I want to try to use the technology and entertainment of esports to help develop Africa in certain areas, whether it's to build schools that use um, the technology um, in competitive gaming to help teach kids. Um, to help kids get more involved in technology and, and, and caught up to the first world uh, in, um, you know, level of things, much like what Akon did with the Chinese companies to help light up um, millions of homes in Africa. Those are the type of things I want to do using um, esports because it's not about what you win. It's about what you do with that win. Right. It's important to keep everything in perspective. It's, it's good that you have a good frame on that. <laughs> so. mm. 
Now, which part of Africa are you looking to, to focus on there? West Africa or? Well, my first thought is several places in Africa. Um, I'm working with some guys in Africa to help create a um, esports federation in Africa. Um, okay. It's called the Esports Federation of Africa. And the first stop is Ghana. That's our launching point. Okay. Um, that's going to be later on in the year in December. And then we have Mozambique, South Africa, Nigeria, and it's it's like nine different countries all together because it's a bunch of people that we're working with together as a whole. So we're trying to our first um, ambitious plan is to connect the um, the content um, the, the the hemispheres. So we want to connect the the west to the east. So right. we're using FIFA as that game where we're gonna I'm bringing okay. uh, my FIFA team from Jamaica to compete against a FIFA team in Africa. And the event's called When East Meets West. That's cool. That's good to network. So are you, uh, now I know you have a, a little bit of an accent, but uh, were you born in the United States? Or were you born in Jamaica? Well, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Jamaica, raised here in the United States. Okay. But a lot, a lot of people ask me, well, what do you consider yourself? And I'm like, uh, I'm African. <laughs> I'm an African. <laughs> Born in Jamaica, raised in the United States. That's that's really what I am. You're global, it sounds like. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So how often do you travel back to Jamaica? Um, uh, two or three times a year. Um, I was I was there in January, came here to America, stayed for like the winter going into spring, returned to Jamaica, stayed there a little bit, came back. Um, so that's why I'm here now, and I'm about to leave um, on the 19th of this month to go back and then I'm staying there until the end of the year before I go to Africa and then I'll be back in America next year. Okay. So, um, is there a strong eSports community in Jamaica or is that something you're helping to helping to build up? Well, the it, um eSports uh that's eSports is a very funny it's a very funny word and and, and term because you have to kind of have an understanding. eSports um Esports is like a competitive gaming community that has an infrastructure that turns competitive gaming into a sport. It isn't just competitive gaming. Because if that was the case, then esports was the first time two people even touched a video game. And that's right. not really what it is. Um, you know, there has to be an infrastructure behind it. So Jamaica has had an esports community, an esports scene. But it hasn't had an esports industry. And so when I got there, there was already a community and scene there, which was good because it's a foundation was already in place. So when I my job in Jamaica is to try to build an industry, you know, uh, an industry and an infrastructure around that community and that foundation that they've been there doing for what, a decade before I got there. And that's the very same thing when I go to Africa. They already have these things in place long before um, I get there. But my job is to try to help industrialize it, commercialize it, get it to a uh, get it to a level where businessmen can take a look at it and they can see the business behind it and they can say, okay, listen, we want to get involved because we want to monetize it. So does it mean sponsorships or spectators or what does what does that mean? Sponsorship, venture capitalists, um, you know, investment um, to help grow the actual business, the actual industry of it. Okay. Now, and which which games are you looking? I know you said you want to use FIFA as, as a medium in Africa, but are there other games that you want to target for different markets or 
that you you, you see M- Empire Arcadia having a, a particularly strong uh, chance to increase their foothold in, in any particular games that you want to concentrate on going forward? Well, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the games that they have there, um, they already have League of Legends. They already have Counter Strike. They have um, uh, what's the name? Call of Duty. They have FIFA. They have fighting games. They have Street Fighter, Injustice, Mortal Kombat, um, Smash Brothers. They have all the games that everyone else um, actually has. Oh, right. No, I just meant, are there any that you're you're particularly interested in in, oh, in well, using as a as... for for for. Empire Arcadia, like with our organization, we play any and all games. Um, but it, the going into Africa is going to be more of an initiative from me um, personally, um, okay. as opposed to uh, EMP. Um, okay. Our our team is to help endorse the infrastructure that's being built there. That that's the same thing I do in Jamaica. Uh, if the work is actually being done by me. But okay. the um, Empire Arcadia um, esports brand is what helps endorse it because it's an official esports team and a recognized brand in the world. We're actually in the Guinness Book of World Records again um, right. for this edition, and it really highlights the um, the accolades of our um, esports team. But right. when we go there, it's whatever games there are. We don't limit ourselves to one particular actual game in okay. esports. We actually want to play all and support all fields. Okay. That's good. Mike, did you have any questions? Dad. <laughs> uh, hmm. Pretty sure heard a baby. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, my son came in here. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> uh, what about other, uh, like I suppose that the StarCraft uh, phenomenon that's taken place in Korea, does that qualify as an esports thing or? Well, like I, like I said, um, esports is um, the infrastructure of, well, you know, the organization, the organizing of competitive gaming with an infrastructure. So StarCraft, any game can be an esports game, any game. It depends on what you do with it. So if you have a game like Pac-Man and you go, hey, guys, let's go to Barcade and let's just play a couple of games of Pac-Man. And me and you decide to, hey, listen, I bet you I can... It's four of us. I bet you I can get the best score amongst the four of us. And we go better. And we all put some money and then we play. And then one of us wins and we collect the money. That's not esports. That's just us having a good time competitively amongst each other, putting up a bet or whatnot. But when you say, okay, I'm going to host a public event, right, where everyone can compete in. You brand it a name. This is an event the public can attend, compete in. Right. Um, set up a bracketing system. Your rules award the champion. Your prizes. See, that's an infrastructure. That's a set. Like because the of, uh, like the Nintendo World Champion that they had back in the uh, yes, 1990. Exactly. Those that that is what esports is. It is the organization and the infrastructure of competitive gaming. That is that is like the nature of esports. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you an a, a example. Let's let's talk about the history of esports for a second. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, when 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 the video game industry started, um, there was a, the first video games like in the late forties, and that, that's the CRT, um, and, and which was like that's the first game, but it was never public, but it was competitive. You could play it. The people who made it played it, and it was competitive right. to a particular point because it's a game. <laughs> All games are competitive. But it's not an esport. It's just mm-hmm. com- you know competitive gaming. Then they made tennis for two. 
and then you know people could play that's the first time it's a commercial game where people can play against each other or whatever the case may be however they set the rules and you can play that's also competitive in the 70s there um stanford university had a, a space wars olympic tournament in their um their university right it was a private right. uh, event it's not like people could walk in or whatever it's, it's an inner it's an inner university but it was sponsored by rolling stones and they decided to have like a space olympic wars based on a game that was created like in the i think late 60s early 70s but they were the, this uh program was being given around to all these different universities so people can test and add to the game and, to its development so these guys decided in their school hey let's put together a competition that's not an east that's not esports that's just them putting a competition together rolling stones is like hey listen we're going to sponsor this event whoever wins gets a yearly subscription of rolling stones and that's just a sponsor then right. but they the, were it was important because it did develop the, yes it was, it was key it, in developing like the it was, it, infrastructure it was to share the, the files and stuff over over the internet the early versions of the internet so but that that was that was kind of like building in terms of the development of the game from game development as right. more so from the competitive aspect right of course uh, now in 1980 they atari was uh brought their game um they they brought a game home uh, from Atari. Oh, I, why is this game escaping my mind? It's not it's not Galaga. I forgot the name of the game. Was that the treasure uh, hunting game where they would? Uh, nah, it's get an, uh, you get uh, items. And... It's, it's it's um it wasn't asteroids. It was another game. It's the game where you have all the guys line up at the top and they're shooting down at you. And space you invaders. Have, space invaders. Space invaders. I don't know why that's escaped my mind. But, uh, <laughs> they brought um, Atari. The Space Invader arcade game was a huge hit. It was a huge phenomenon. And Atari right. was like, we need to find a way to bring that game home right. to, to the uh, home console. And it became the world's first killer app. And they did, they did a brilliant, uh, they did a great job in marketing the game because they held a um, Space Invaders tournament where you can right. win the arcade cocktail machine. 10,000 people came out to play that game. Mm -hmm. 10,000. It was a video, a big video game tournament and everything, and everyone played, and the winner got the cocktail and whatnot, and it made the whole, when people, it marked it, the whole purpose of it was to market that they were bringing the game home for the Atari so you can get it. Yeah. But then, see, and these, these are all competitive video game tournaments, but still yeah. not esports. It wasn't until 1981 where Walter Day decided to create a actual um, organization, twin galaxies. yes, yeah, twin right. galaxies, and the purpose of the organization wasn't to promote the selling of a game or how cool a game was. The right, whole was purpose the of this yeah. orga organization was to create an infrastructure behind the competition, creating a universal rule set, setting down of the infrastructure, the organization, the rules, the management, the promotion, all of that stuff for the competition, for the gamers. Not the content of the game, but the context behind the competition. And it was the, it became the adjudicator, the first adjudicating organization in the world for competitive gaming. And its bylines, literally, the, 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 um, the, the, when you look at the description for it, it was to turn competitive gaming into a sport. Literally, that's literally what it was. So this was literally esports' first video game organization, and and, and through that, that was literally the birth of esports. Right now, so what 
what do you think is uh, one of the one of the best um, uh, either movies or documentaries about uh, esports? King of Kong. This is not even a discussion. That's just <laughs> King of Kong. Like, why, why do you even ask that question? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's accurate or not. If that's if it was you whether, know, dramatized beyond belief, or if that's well, somewhat that true to this, life. The strength whether, of some of the yes. personalities in in the arena, so to speak, uh, or sort of the. the you know the community, I guess. Whether whether the game, whether the film was dra- dramatized, and a portion of it was, because we're not going to sit here and say it wasn't. The King right. of Kong is more of a docudrama than a documentary, because exactly. there are certain things that they had to change, like them villainizing Billy Mitchell. They right. had to do that, or it wouldn't have that entertaining grasp. Right. Either they had, you have to create a rival, which. And it was so good that how they did it, you have people who hate Billy Mitchell. They literally send <laughs> death threats to this guy. And it's like, guys do know that this is a movie, right? Like, calm down. Like, it's not <laughs> real. Like, but they had to do that. To, they had to dramatize the documentary to kind of add a good flavor of it. But it, it, was, it is the most Pope Fiction-based, like, it, it has that, you know, Pope Fiction grasp on the um, esports community. My top five films involving esports of all time, and I don't want to be biased, I'll put King of Kong at number one. Um, Frag, there's a film called Frag. You really need to watch that film. That that really, in my opinion, the reason why I put that at number two is because it did a both, it did a, a, a combination of the past and at that time, the modern version of esports and right. pull them together. They pull people from Twin Galaxies and put them in. So it had guys like Billy Mitchell, it had Walter Day, it had um, Fatality in it, um, it had Rafiq, it had Street Runner. It, it had a bunch of different guys from two different eras of esports all combined. And you can see the resemblance and you can mm-hmm. see the evolution of esports. So I put those two at one and two. The third one would have to be, this is kind of biased, but The King of Chinatown, which is me and Justin's film. Um, then <laughs> then he, there's, I just watched this film. It's called um, Man vs. Snake. Uh, you guys got to take a look at it. It's about, it's about the Nibbler movie with um, Tim McVeigh, not the bomber. Um, but, yeah, but it's about this guy who got the first billion points in video games. So um, that, that I put out number four. And if you really want to go and, and, and get the real epic, raw, uncut, I'm talking about this was really uncut. It was more like they just turned on the camera and said, okay, guys, let us know what it really was like in the classic gaming age. Chasing ghosts. <laughs> there okay. is, it, it is cursing in it. It is everything. This is what these guys really were like behind the scenes. At the, and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, these guys are unprofessional. Come on, guys. Like, we're all humans, so cut it out. <laughs> you know, this is, if you want to see what it really is like, then you have to just turn on the camera and unfilter everything. So you really see what these guys were like, the heat, the real heat behind the competition. I will put those guys at, at my top five. And, and then um, what's the name for this thing? I'd give a, a, a honorable mention, a very heartfelt documentary that really gives a real touching look at like arcades, the king of arcades. 
Okay. So that, I don't. I would have yes. The honorable mention: Richie Knuckles, King of Arcades. Like I said, um, the number one, King of Kong, Frag, King of Chinatown, Man vs. Snake, and Chasing Ghosts. I guess if I had to say that one that uh, you may have forgotten about is the the uh, documentary where uh, Matthew Broderick has to uh, play a game of tic tac toe against the <laughs> computer before the uh, yeah the sun's awesome. nuclear strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to but play see, a game? See, see games, but the same thing is I. Oh, here, here's the we said we said no, no, no. It, was, it was a it was a it was, it was okay. a joke. Try for us. It was a joke. <laughs> I, I I I was really upset. That was a joke. Bad I was one. I was really upset that we didn't get to hear the wizard. The <laughs> you know so funny well, about doing, that? He was doing best films, not worst. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually, believe- I was doing documentaries. If we're doing films... Like gaming movies, yeah. Oh, gaming movies? Films, like gaming movies, that's actually in there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, wait, about competitive gaming? There's only... Games in general. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. game, oh, just <laughs> games in general? Ugh. Well, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is Double Dragon? Know. Where does Double Dragon fit in there? Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, we're we will, gonna... we're, what we're going to do the best would be the wizard, and that's bad. And <laughs> but that's the best you're going to get. That tells you something. Now, Triforce, I know that um, like TBS earlier this year had the E-League where they had Counter-Strike Go. Um, they actually put a couple nights over um, a, like a weekend in May that was like um, completely devoted to... Um, like a C, uh, it was a CS:GO tournament, um, and I know ESPN has has put some some tournaments on on their networks and things like that. Do, are you excited that this seems to be a growing acceptance within the broadcasting community that there there is uh, you know viable uh, channels here to to devote to the esports community? Where um, I mean, I saw that TBS was getting half a million viewers during. Uh, during the CS CSGO tournament, which is pretty high for uh, you know an average TBS weekend night. So, are you excited that you know these networks are starting to embrace you know sort of the the medium and and giving it giving you guys more um, you know airtime so to speak? Uh, honestly, no, I'm, I'm not. But it's different for me, and and, and that, so my my um my viewpoint is kind of jaded uh, mm-hmm. because. The um, competitive gaming has been on TV multiple times, a long time right. ago. Um, so me seeing it, it's come, gone, come, gone, come, yeah. gone. And the reason why it's done that is because I don't think any of them understood what they were doing. And the only yeah. reason why it's now back on TV is because esports is going through what I call the industrial esports revolution, where okay. corporate companies um, around the world are investing so much money into this that it, it has to go on television if they want to get the acceptance of the sports world, which I don't know why they're trying to get the acceptance of the sports world. I, I, I'm a gamer and I've been around for 30 something years and I will be the first to tell you esports is not a sport. It uses components from sports. It uses pieces of sports infrastructure um, to, to kind of cr- put competitive gaming into a um into right, a but it's still, you can. It, but it still been, increases it still increases the availability to it makes it, it makes it accessible to more people so i mean that has to be good like people hear esports but think like oh so that mean fifa and madden are sponsoring it? right <laughs> but, 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 that's the thing like you'll get like a lot of people 
finding it by mistake, but then you get a lot of people finding it by mistake. Which is the point I'm trying to make. And, and, and the thing is, and although the viewership is, is up, they're not really pushing the envelope. These guys are still taking baby steps because they really don't know. A lot of them have been, I don't want to say the word, no, let me not even mention that word. A lot of them are, have their hopes up and they don't need to have their hopes up. What they need to do is understand what esports is. The main, the, the most important thing here if you want to know what esports is, is go into esports history and find out what it is. A lot of these guys that are doing this stuff in esports today do not want to learn what the esports history is because they feel that for some reason paying homage to its history hurts what it is today, which that makes absolutely no sense. If you go into the history of esports, and, and, and you find a way to tell that story properly, you can then educate and inform the viewers and they can become, they can become um, more comfortable and confident in, in what it is. A lot of people, like you said, find it by mistake. And when they find it by mistake, it's just, why is all these people yelling and screaming? Oh, because <laughs> I thought they're playing a game. What? what? They're yelling and screaming over again and they come in completely, completely just... Unknown. They're like, well, I don't get it. Like, why are people sitting around watching video games? This is stupid. So the introduction to the to the mainstream of today to esports is a bad avenue. Guys well, like CNN. I mean, I, I watch a lot of stuff on Twitch and things like that, different tournaments and things. And when I was browsing through the TV the nights that those were on, I was like, oh, cool, you know, a Counter-Strike tournament. I, I mean, I knew what I was watching. and Because you're a gamer. Yeah, but it was easy for me to, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know, I, I do I do agree that there was a segment of that market that probably was confused about why this was on TV. A but, segment? In uh, business, in, <laughs> in business, you're not supposed to keep marketing to the very same consumers that you know are going to buy your product. Gamers, right. there are 8 billion people in this world, roughly, right? Right. There isn't even 10 million gamers that any esports league in the world, none of them can say, okay, listen, we have 10 million people locked in that we know are going to purchase. In, right. They, they may have 10 million eyes, mm -hmm. but they, they're not consumers. They're just viewers and people of interest. That's right. it. And all these 10 million people are gamers. The ideal right. here is to get people who are not into video games into video games. So you okay. can get when esports reaches a billion eyes, one billion eyes, then we're seeing some real in, um, progress in esports. And don't get me wrong. We are improving now. That's true. Because that's better than where we came from going back all the way to Walter Day when we only had thousands of eyes to right. now millions of eyes. But esports, e because of technology, this is supposed to be a billion already. We're, we're supposed to always service a billion, but it's not. And the reason why is because we're only capturing gamers. And the sad part of the gaming market that we're capturing, we're only capturing competitive gamers. We're not even capturing gamers. Because the 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 the, 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 average, the casual gaming market dwarfs the co competitive gaming market by leaps and bounds. Like yeah, we don't, if you, if you I don't can even... find like uh, like tournament Candy Crush, then or maybe or uh, <laughs> or Mafia Wars, then you'll get something going on. Ah, and those people have no idea about Counter Strike, no idea about Street Fighter, no idea about 
um, Call of Duty. They know Candy Crush because when they bought their iPhone or Samsung, the game was in there. And they're like, you know something? I'm on a train. I'm bored. You know something? Let me play this game privately. I don't want anyone looking at my phone because I don't want anyone thinking like, what the hell? You're a grown person playing video games? What's wrong with you? So and so and those people, like I said, they're not confident. And and the current the current marketing and commercializing of esports still has not broken that stereotype. It's broken that stereotype to gamers, but it has not. Yeah, part of the part of the problem though is that I think, at least to a certain extent. You know the 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 gaming community. It doesn't do a great job of engaging the the you know the more casual. I mean, we are like very serious about how we handle. I mean, obviously a, a podcast like this, and there's other you know a lot of other venues too that are more accepting. You know, more interested in in the wide spectrum. But it seems like especially in in like the competitive community, it's all like, oh, is it you know is it StarCraft or League of Legends or CS CS:GO? Otherwise, we don't care about it. And you know. And there's not really, it doesn't seem like there's a big push to engage what, you know, the aspects of games that, um, you know, the wider range of people would be more receptive and, and entertaining. I mean, I think, I think there is a bit of a, I think you're hitting on a nerve here about there, there is value in sort of figuring out how we're going to frame this going forward to engage more people because there, there is a lot that people could get out of this if it was if it was done properly. I, I agree completely with you. The, the, you just touched on something, and, and let's go over this. And this is why when you ask, what do I think is the best esports movie uh, or competitive gaming movie or just gaming documentary there is, there is a reason why The King of Kong was so prolific amongst all of the other documentaries, hands right. down. And the reason why is because they focused on the context, not right. the, the context. It was the not humanity. about yes. don- Donkey <laughs> yeah, Kong. It was about the people who right, played right. Donkey Kong. When you look at ESPN, what makes ESPN great is the people they cover, not necessarily the sports. What is the number one trending thing in NFL right now? Colin Kaepernick, and it has nothing to do with what he threw his ball about. It's about right. a social issue, a football player's social issue about what's going on in America. And right now, his jersey sales spiked up over everyone. What? How? He's not even last year's Super Bowl champion. How did that happen? Because ESPN is focusing on the context. So when Eastwood decides to say, let's focus on Faker's life growing up as a gamer, Walter Day's life, as the father of esports, Billy Mitchell's life as the um, the um, player of the century, Fatality as the most successful esports player, Todd Rogers as the first com- uh, competitive gamer ever. When they start doing that, and you do ESPN's um, 30 for 30 documentary, and you're going back on these people's life, like how we did Jim Brown, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Peyton Manning, and all these other guys. When it happens like that, people start to take an interest in these people's lives and how they use competitive gaming to express themselves. Then people will start to take interest in the content, which is the games. Then they'll have a better appreciation and understanding. I could care less about another, you know, faceless League of Legends team. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching League of Legends, but I can't tell one League of Legends guy from another, like as far as... Yeah. Okay. So maybe people will start paying attention if they check out the Camden Film Festival. Hmm. 
<laughs> well, well, that's what I've always been trying to push from. The, this is why when I did my first film with Psycho Crusher Productions, the mm-hmm. film didn't even have a script. The, the, um, the uh, King of Chinatown is truly a real, it's a, um, I, I would call it a, re- a reality documentary because there was no script. I just told the producer, turn on the camera, come with me wherever I'm going, real time as it happened, and I will narrate over it. So I was like a creative director to the film. This is why I was credited as this, in association with Empire Acadia, because what he was filming was what was happening at that point in time, real time, as it was going on. And it really gave you an inside look on my life and Justin Wong's life, trying to you know, make a, um, a, 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 a successful um, esports team. You know, we were successful in winning, but we didn't have the money to show for our successful or, or for our accolades. And we were really trying to turn um, a profit with the organization um, mm-hmm. for what we were doing. So you really got to saw the struggle, what we were doing, you know, Justin having to make a decision with a, another team coming and making them an offer that I couldn't compete with. You know, what aspiring other esports team, teams are starting out, what they're going to have to go through against other big companies who come in with their money and you know, how do you manage your players? How do you provide um, subsidies for your players against these big corporations who have the money to do with you? How do you market your brand? How do you keep it alive? And and and, and all the personal um, relationships you develop with your player as a manager and as a friend and, and life lessons that you learn. And all. that's what the film was about. It wasn't about Street Fighter. Street right. who cares? You know, there's a thousand different fighting game communities, um, documentaries about out there about, oh, if you push forward on this, you can parry and this character has a 50% life cut. Who cares? Right, the really? engagement on that is going to be very low overall yeah. versus the overall population. Very low. Even yeah, the people who do that won't even want, they were like, I know this already. Why would I want to watch this? Yeah, you miss so, on both ends. <laughs> so until yeah, the you majority... You can just check out game facts if you want to find out what a character does. I mean, we want to find so, out what people are doing. So why are people making game yeah. facts documentaries? <laughs> That's what that really is. <laughs> so until until we have the majority of the, docu- the documentaries that focus on the actual lives the cultural elements of the people uh, who are the context behind the content in the gaming. And when that happens, that's when you're going to get a better understanding from the mainstream people. People who have nothing to do with video games are going to be like, you know something? I can see why you guys play these video games like this. This makes sense. Now I see why so many people, rather than leaving people with this question when they see these things, when they turn on Twitch and they see... And it's like, what's happening? First of all, they can't even understand what's happening on the screen. That's number one. And it's right. like, what's go- why are all these people in here just cheering and screaming over video games? That <laughs> is the number one question left on everyone's mind when the minute they get introduced into esports. And what they need to do, to be very honest with you, and I'm going to say this on your podcast, somebody out there needs to find Walter Day. If you need to find Walter Day, you can contact me or you can contact Joel West or Billy Mitchell, any one of us three. And do a documentary on the father of esports. He will give you the full spectrum. Well, from if our the beginning if, till now, if our Patreon gets funded, this will be the first <laughs> d- documentary we do. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm already talking to Walter about it. He, he, he's waiting. Walter is waiting. He has so he's many waiting. people. Yeah, because we want to. The, the ideal of the documentary was to get 
Walter and all the people Walter Day has ever associated with or he has uh, come into recognition with, you know, that helped, you know, develop esports over its over the years since its inception in 81 through him and Twin Galaxies. So we right. wanted to get like guys like Sundance, Mike Sepso from MLG. We wanted to get the guys from Turtle Entertainment from ESL. We wanted to get some of the guys, uh, whoever was left from CPL, all the different major tournament organizers, the great gamers of um, the 80s that first did the Time um, Life magazine, um, you know, um, a, a picture that was documented. These were the first superstars in gaming, documented in, uh, not Time, Life magazine, I, I apologize. Yeah. In Life Magazine, you know, um, the guys, guys like Ben Gold uh, and, and so forth, who was on That's Incredible, which was network television back in 1980, like, well, in the 80s. That's why when I say, when you guys say, well, now it's on TV, what do you think? I'm like, oh, it was on G4 TV in, in the early 20th century. It was on right. That's Incredible back in the 80s. Um, it was on um, Good Day America back in the 90s with the Nintendo World Championships. These things have all been on TV already. Um, it's just that now we're at a point where we can really push it. That's where we are right now. But I think if someone can get Walter involved at, on that and look at like the evolution of esports, PBS can get a look back from the beginning from what he had envisioned and set up as the foundation to what it has evolved into now and put that documentary out there mainstream where this is not about the games. This is about the people. Um, it, should, perfect. It should, it, should be on, Ken it should be Ken Burns' next topic. Let's, let's see if we can get him on have it. You guys, <laughs> have you guys watched um, the History Channel's The Men Who Made America? Yeah, that's a great series. It's on Netflix, the men, I Yes, believe, they, so. if they did a The Men Who Made Esports, and Walter Day would be the Vanderbilt. Right. <laughs> Get your John Rockefellers, your J.P. Morgan, your Carnegie, your uh, Thomas Edison. Get all of those guys of esports. Put them in the film. Go through the timeline from the beginning. Or even to do now. episodic like History Channel did. That would be interesting yes, too. So. That would be interesting. And you put that on Netflix. People will yep. watch that documentary, and then they will complete. Yeah. When they now see Starcraft, they will get the complete totality. The oh, I know what this is all about because why? Oh, have you ever seen the um that. Um, the, the documentary on the men who built esports and right. they'll know the history behind it and this will enrich the historical value of esports and what esports is and then no matter what game you introduce everyone will grasp the concept well you've twisted my arm my cell phone and my youtube channel are yours <laughs> i don't know that we're equipped to do that but um if you guys been in contact with power productions yeah, well, right. we, we have a we have a soft script. Uh, myself, Walter, and Joel. We all sat down uh, preparing a soft script, and you know, we, uh, like and Billy, even Billy Mitchell's involved. And we talked with CNN, uh, and so we're trying to push that initiative. Uh, so we're hoping that they like the idea and then they bite. But, you know, Sounds great. I'd, I'd sure watch it. That's for sure. <laughs> we're for still sure. looking for a freelancer who's interested in in, in you know working with us even, to try to put uh, it together. Have you been in contact still with the uh, King of Kong guys? Because, I mean, I know Walter was in that, so he must know yeah, them. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I guess that's a all no. right. That'd be not happening there for whatever reason. <laughs> so we'll I'm like, well, it, it, to be very honest with you, we do need somebody. We do need somebody who's really good at this type of yeah. stuff. Like can't it, just, it can't just be a regular documentary. This has to be a really polished. It the way they did the way they did um, the men who built America. Literally, it has to be at that level, that right. grade level. And this is why we're going to like CNN. This oh, is you need a full shot. Yeah. yeah, we're going to any networks and stuff like that. It has to be done by those guys because I'm I'm not saying that there isn't a talented um you know filmmaker out there who can't work at that level but you know unless someone comes forward and say okay listen i can produce this let it get it let's get it done this is something in my opinion and i'm not it's not a it's not just about walter's life this is not about you know sitting there and just paying full homage to the father himself this is about getting you know everyone involved i'm talking about from walter all the way to um, the guy from Turner Sports, who's now doing the E-League. We're talking about everybody. The president of um, the LCS, rights LCS. We need everyone involved because people need to know what it is from then till now. They have to see the full spectrum correlation. I literally put out a timeline on my website on TriforceJohnson.com. If you go into the history section, I literally wrote a timeline. And that timeline was supposed to serve as the as the fundamental timeline arc of the um, history in esports, and it'll give you a real a roadmap they can follow. <laughs> yes, a roadmap, a, a preliminary roadmap that they can follow, and they got to get everybody involved. It's not just about Walter Day. It's all. It's it's about the other people who what they did. They refined what he the, the foundation that he put down. Because it's one thing. It's one thing to be the guy who put the foundation down, but Look at J, um, James, um, you know, uh, look at the guy uh, who created basketball, James Naismith. He created yeah. basketball, right? So that's like the well, guy. That's that was, arguable, but yes. It's <laughs> arguable, right? It's arguable. And, but, but he, uh, at least, he at least wrote the initial rules is what's he, widely accepted. <laughs> created, see, and, and let, let, let's, let's, let, let me give you guys an analogy. He created the game of basketball. The, right. the game of basketball was created, right? We'll just credit right. him because that's who we know for right now. People right. can argue it, right? And they've been playing basketball from 1891 all the way to 1946. So from that time, so many different basketball games have happened. So many different basketball tournaments have happened. Public, right. private, all of that. But basketball was not turned into a sport until the National Basketball Association was created, which was 1946. So whoever created the National Basketball Association is the people responsible for basketball being a sport. And in that very same um, analogy is the same thing for Walter Day, who created the first video game. That's the guy who created games. And video games have been playing from 1946 all the way to 1981. But who took competitive gaming and made it into a sport? That's Walter Day. But now, when you look at the NBA... But wait, but if you're going to say with... Yeah, like I was... In the NBA, it didn't really become a national focus until you had, you know, Magic and Larry come along and make it more, uh, you know, about about people. I mean, yes, of course, there's all kinds of all-time greats that played in the 60s and 50s and, and, you know... 
and they're all time great teams. But the the modern NBA didn't didn't really come into form. I mean, there were you know the NBA no, finals we, in the 70s was on tape delay. No, I mean, but, no, but see, see, that has that's got nothing. That has got nothing to do with the um the foundation or the infrastructure that has right. something to do that has something to do with the broadcasting to the public yeah that's the, the marketability is, yeah the marketability <laughs> the point is there was a set of rules there was an infrastructure that was built for you to and and they recorded all of those games all of right. those games are in a database for people who can look back that, if that's going to be the case, unless you want to see Will, uh, Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game there's no tape of that game <laughs> so but are we going are we going to sit there and say that oh Will, um Wilt was not an um a ba- um a basketball um athlete or um, oh no or, no that's not the point i was making at all i was just saying that the well, mainstream you know um, availability and understanding of the game didn't really come, Every, come into but what, what that's called superstars. And sadly, what, there's no information. There's no footage of his 10,000 point game after the, uh, <laughs> but when the you really, look, when you really had, look at it, when you really look <laughs> at it though, you have to, um, you have to take into um, consideration that this is what's called the, um, the renaissance of that particular thing. So like esports, esports has gone through many different evolutionary stages. So um, we can't discount, you know, when it when its initial inception was to say because okay, here's an example. No, 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 yeah, I'm just I I personally think that esports is renaissance is to come though. I think I I, I, I think we're still now. look. I think yeah, we're still looking for that that point where it, it really hits critical mass and understanding like yeah there has to be like a yeah. personality that comes forth where like you know like people thought like oh yeah there's painting but you know how many like people <laughs> can, i can identify like <laughs> oh, leonardo michelangelo oh, we got all these we got all these cave drawings but we're, oh look at this michelangelo guy he really changes the game yeah, yeah look but, at that. he really knows how to make a naked guy but when, when you look at when you look at the painting culture they never start with the mainstream person they always start back to the people who created the the inception of things because you have to know where you came from right. in order to know where you're going. Yeah, they and talk about you, the Italians. When, they talk about the Greeks that inspired the Italians. Ex- exactly. Um, there was and, a series and, of, um, of documentaries that PBS ran a couple of years ago on the masters, like uh, Rembrandt, Michelangelo, you know, like all the different masters. And what was incredibly interesting about it was they didn't just say like, here's all the great art they did. They said, here's where they fit into the history of the time. Like Rembrandt is important, not just because of the still lives, still lives changed art with him doing this. Like if you mix in not only why it was great, but with like how it changed, why history, he did it, why yes, it had to be done and what it led ex- to. Like, I mean, I remember going to museums when I was a kid and being like, oh, okay, you know, that's interesting, whatever. It's a painting of fruit, but like, when you understand like how that fundamentally changed the way that art and the world was perceived, like it becomes so much more engaging and so much more interesting. And I think that what you're saying, Triforce, about how how if we if we reframe sort of how we're approaching esports as a whole, like I think that it'll it'll definitely help people in the same vein. I don't I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a Rembrandt out there yet, but at least we can change the way that we're engaging instead of just the nerdy subculture that everyone that isn't part of it kind of use it as. No, there's there are definitely Rembrandts out there. There are Mozart's. There are well, no, no, that's for music. Sorry, but um, there, there are there are guys out there they, they, because when you when you brought up the Wilt Chamberlain thing, that was a great um, analogy to bring up because during the time when Wilt played, remember what you said? There were there, these things weren't even on recording. 
when, well, when they were, but his game, his unfortunately, his hundred po- his hundred point game wasn't recorded. Was it right? But when you look at when you look at the the early years of esports, like the first um, the first world championships that was televised on TV was in association with Twin Galaxies and ABCs, and that right. was actually published. That was actually broadcast on network television, 1982. On that's incredible. And you can actually see the competition. There's a point of reference where you can go back where you can see it was an actual sporting event in the concept right. of esports, so to speak. So when you go back before World Today, a lot of these things were probably like the competitions that they had were documented in newspapers and stuff like that. And they told you who were. You couldn't even find who the organizer is and, right. and, and so forth. And that's what that's that's where I, that's why I call that the. Um, the, jo- the James Naismith time. You know, nobody it, cares about a random Pac-Man tournament from the 70s. Like. Ah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and because there was no organization that was going to uh, um, create an infrastructure, set the rules, market and pro- uh, promote the players and the competitions, award the champions and champions and so forth, you can't really call it a sport then. Literally, Twin Galaxies is still alive now. The company is actually still alive now. It is yeah. in its... 36th year it's still alive right now it is it is partnered with guinness book of world records and each year that guinness puts out its new gamers edition book in the back they still publish the champions of classic arcade games for 36 Mm -hmm. years they've been doing this the first publication of this was back in i think 83 where guinness hired walter day as an assistant editor For him Mm -hmm. to publish the records he was recording into Guinness Book. So when you look at what esports is today and you say, let's look at all the components of what esports is today. The very same components esports are today, you can find them then in the 80s with Walter Gentry Galaxy. He knew knew where things needed to go. It's just getting people there. And he didn't have the technology to do it. But he found a way based with the... um, with the platforms of media that he had. Oh so yeah, he got television. so much. He got so much done considering what he was facing. What like, he was yeah. facing. Now, this is why I call it the industrial esports revolution. What is happening here is that the industries are like, okay, this is the base. Let's take a look at the base platform that Walter Day set. He didn't have all the tools and technology and opportunities that we have, and the, especially the money. We do. Let us take that and invest and build on that foundation an entire industrial esports complex and evolve esports to the next level. And that's what you're seeing now. Esports is being taken to the next level. But what I what I try to discourage is people saying, oh, esports started now. No, it didn't. Oh, esports no, that wasn't the point I was trying to make. No, I was just I know, trying to I know you're not saying that. I know you're yeah. not saying that. I'm just saying so that it, because remember, we, we're talking to your listeners who are listening in right now. Right. You don't want them to get the wrong idea that, oh, it's it started now because a lot of people think esports just started four years ago. It That's started true. when League of Legends started. And I'm like, so what are you trying to say? Fatality did not exist. Is that <laughs> what you're trying to say? And then if you go, oh, OK, it started with fatality exists. Oh, OK. So you're trying to say Billy Mitchell does not exist. OK, it goes back to the Billy Mitchell. Oh, so you're trying to say then it start. And that Todd Rogers yeah. didn't exist. And you see, you don't want to do that because that's what you would be doing in basketball if you say, oh, basketball really didn't become mainstream until Michael Jordan. Right. So what you're trying to say, 
Larry Bird well, didn't yeah. exist. And Michael you can also, yeah, exist. but you can also <laughs> acknowledge like how Michael Jordan changed the game, though. Like it, it, it changed yeah. the game, right. but the game right. was there for him to change. Right, changed. Yes, that is fair. That and is that's fair. all I'm trying to say. Let us not forget the people who who changed. You know, um, Eric Ginger, um, Todd Rogers. Those were like the first true superstars in in competitive gaming, also known as esports. Then you had your Billy Mitchell who came in and set six world records and it was all over the news from TV to media print and, and all of that stuff back then. Then for Billy Mitchell, you had, who was this guy? Um, John Romero, who did um, Quake and Doom. You had Thresh, who just got put in the Esports Hall of Fame championships, well, the ESL version, because there's another Esports Hall of Fame called the International Video Game Hall of Fame that inducted like 30 players and it's up to its fourth <laughs> induction already. People don't even know about that. That's not even me. Fatality was one of the people in the Hall of Fame. People right. don't know about Thor Akerlund, um, who's the Nintendo World Champion. Like, you can't remove those guys. Those guys are the people who brought you your Daigo Umahara, your Justin Wong, your MVP, your Jay Hu, your, your, um, what's this guy's name? Your Faker. Like, the, these guys now are our LeBron James, our Kobe Bryant, our Kevin Durant's. But we can't forget our Michael Jordans, our Larry Birds. We can't forget our Magic Johnsons. We can't forget our Oscar Robinson, our yeah. Bill Russells, our Wilt Chamberson, our Pete Mervyn. The M when the NBA did its top 50 of all time, it did not forget anyone in the 40s. Those guys are who what brought in the Shaquille O'Neal's and the Scottie Pippen and the Patrick Ewins and the Michael Jordans. And, and that's why you have your great 50. Like... I don't want to say nothing, but something big is coming in um, the International Video Game Hall of Fame for 2017. So, awesome. but, yeah, awesome. we'll leave it at that. We'll keep, leave it at teaser. that. Teaser. Keep, keep us posted. Uh, like, a we need a Iowa is about to put yeah. it on the map. Yeah. We need a reason right. for you to come back. Yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> so, so yeah. to, switch, to switch gears a little bit, so obviously you're extremely passionate about competitive gaming um, and you, it's your profession. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to know, do you still enjoy gaming casually or is it really just a full-time job for you at this point? You're going to laugh at this. <laughs> I hate esports. <laughs> oh, my brain. This is the last game. And all right, let me put context to what I said before people take it out of context, right? <laughs> people will take that sound bite. They, they, they did this to no, me. No, no, no. No, not you guys. Someone will record your show and take that one sound bite and just run it. So oh, let me be so I, I personally be honored if somebody was recording my show. <laughs> oh, no, no. When your show, when, when, not to boost me up or anything, but when, when I advertise your show, market your show, promote it, it's going to, there are people out there. So, yeah. But um, okay. I am tired of the competitive aspect. I am at that age okay. and mind. I'm 39. I look young, but I'm, I, I'm, well, I'm still relatively young, but I don't make myself look, I say it like I'm old, but I want to focus well. on the management and I want to focus on the business development of my brand that I founded in 2002, Empire Acadia. That's what I want to focus on. But he, um, do you still go play? Do you still game as a, as, as a you know? Right. That's what I was person? asking. Like, do you play oh, games I, I, just I as play, a regular I, person? You know? That's why. That's why I retired in 20, 2015. And that my last competitive game uh, played was at Cyberbox in Jamaica, where I won my twentieth tournament. There was a, a, a esports league in Jamaica called Cyberbox. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, they closed down the venue, so they closed down the league. It only lasted for a year. 
Um, but I played in the league and I, I went 20 and 0. And on my 20th wow. tournament that I won, I won my team's 2000th victory. And huh? on that, it was funny because that, uh, seemed, that seemed like a good time to, to yeah. hang up the hang that's up exactly the, the power what glove. The, that's yeah, exactly gonna, what the league commission hang up the gloves. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, you know, being 20 and 0 and winning your team's 2000th victory, this would be the perfect time to retire. And I'm like, nah, I, I can go more. And he's like, do not do what Michael Jordan did. Michael yeah, Jordan, nobody <laughs> talks about him on the Wizards. Yeah, <laughs> retired, came back and three-peated. If he had left on the last shot, he would have been, there would have been no question. There's nothing LeBron could have done, nothing any NBA player could have done. He could have left right there, but no, he wanted to go to the Wizards. Like, come on. Yeah, so, so when I, when I yeah, saw so what that, you want to like, do is like, you want to be I'm like done. Wayne Gretzky. Retire yes. on the high note and then manage. And then manage. Uh, we don't talk about Wayne Gretzky. Sorry, man. guys. <laughs> <laughs> I plugged out my headset on accident. So oh, no worries. I retired. I thought he I was re- just indignant as soon as I brought up Gretzky. He's like, it had to be a Canadian. Uh, oh, so wow. Competitive <laughs> gaming aside, do you just like pick up your smartphone? You're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, engage myself in some, uh, you know, uh, Arlo's adventure, Alto's adventure. What about like uh, Witcher Three or uh, like New Final Fantasy? Like, do you keep in touch with those games, or you're like done with games and I'm just gonna like be business? I, I see those games online when I get a, when I when I'm not on the go and I get a chance to sit down and, and, and play them. It's play them casually, an hour at tops, nowhere near what I used to be when I was younger as a hardcore gamer putting them 18 24 hour days sure what, my, what are you playing thing, currently what like what's your my trusty nintendo 3ds the greatest nice. system in the existence of I'm, video games. i'm enjoying there's the hell some out great of games so on, that. on yeah, that yeah yeah you're exactly right <laughs> like there's this amazing game where you where you're playing out with these japanese schoolgirls and let's <laughs> no, uh, no, do another press pause learn more yeah. about that we'll skip past that one. if not for the 3ds i think i would become completely disconnected to the video games the okay. 3ds is like the the nostalgic power and uh an ability to get back at your nostalgic game with the, of the name nes but with the um with the modern connection mm-hmm. of today's video game systems yeah, i'm enjoying all the way i'm enjoying the super like, nintendo games on my 3ds which is like allows me to take my entire childhood on the go with me, and it is, I'm really I'm getting a a, a real kick out of that system. Yeah, the, the, all I do is play Tetris. So, uh, whether I'm on the bus, I'm on a train, I'm flying to a different country, I'm in a cab, I'm on the toilet, I'm in Starbucks. <laughs> you know, come on, everyone, anyone who sits here and says they have a handheld and never was on the seat with the handheld is a liar. They are one hundred percent liar. Truth, brother. Preach. <laughs> Everyone right. has been on the toilet with a, DD, a 3DS. And well, achieved a high score. <laughs> is there anything else you want to promote, Triforce, before we wrap things up? Um, I just want to um, give thanks to my um, sponsors, um, No Scope and Catalyst Mints. Um, thank you for everything. Um, uh, Shout-outs to my associates, the guys that helped me out a lot. Uh, Eight-Way Run and Combat Network. And um, a definitely big shout-out to the Council of Arcadia, in fact, in the last two or three months, those guys have really, and I'm, you have no idea, those guys have really helped me out tremendously. I've been in some dark times, man. These guys really helped pull through. And I want to definitely give a big shout out to my mother-in-law 
um, back in um, Jamaica. Uh, Keisha, uh, what's going on? And my fiance, <laughs> Sashan. Uh, so I'll be home soon, honey. And okay. oh, definitely give thanks to um, CNN's um, Great Big Story for picking up um, my film Triforce and Jack Sherman, Time Magazine um, um, film um, you know, um, producer and director. From, um, and he's the one who's actually put that, he actually made that film and CNN picked it up. So I definitely okay. want to give a shout out to those guys. And everybody else who completely supports me and my brand and my team. And um, shout out to Nintendo, obviously. They're the greatest video game company <laughs> in the existence of all existence of all existence. I think um, everybody um, on the Playing With Power channel can agree with that, given the premise oh, yeah. of the magazine that we read. <laughs> so, someone I, someone asked really me. really appreciate your time, too. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Someone so, said to me, Triforce, um, what do you think will, um, you know, when Nintendo dies and Microsoft and Sony takes over the video game industry, mm. how do you think it's going to be? Uh, like, how, like what, what's your thoughts about how the video game system, um, industry will evolve? And I said, let me explain something to you. If, because it's not a when, but nothing's impossible. Right. If Nintendo dies, video games end. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't think they die. I think they get bought out. I predict either Disney or iTunes. Yeah, I mean, look what happened with, no, with, look what well, happened with Sega. Like, then yeah. they, they got in reference to the, But it was in reference to it, that, that answer was in reference to the question. If right. someone asked me that, yeah, let's say video games will stagnate impossible. because stagnate? They, no, yeah. the entire market will completely collapse and it'll be finished because you know why? They saved what it. keeps this market alive are the children. Mm-hmm. Adults, no offense, I'm an adult. Mm. We lose interest over time. Children do not, and children are born, so their that audience is replaced all the time. It's continuously replaced. Mm-hmm. So if it has to, if what makes video games more powerful than the music and, and, and music uh, and the music and film industry combined is because of. The, the power of children. People are playing Pokemon Go because their childhood said pick up the game. That has nothing to do with Pokemon Go being great. You just pick it. Because it's not. Everyone has the game. Everyone. Right. Nintendo is making more money for being a partner in that game than Sony made in the last year. And that's ridiculous. And then Nintendo's like, mm-hmm. oh, thank, thanks for putting that money in the bank. And that's just, if, if Nintendo says, you know something? Let's end the, enter the MOBA realm. We're going to make a Pokemon MOBA game. I'm sorry, League of Legends. You're dead. There is nothing you can... I don't want to hear nothing from anyone. Oh, no, Triforce, you're bugging. Are you bugging? <laughs> Pokemon MOBA will kill everything on the planet. It will... It, Nintendo can say, okay, we're going to bring back a Nintendo World Championship and we're going to have Pokemon MOBA game. You know, like in Smash Brothers, when you die, it goes, game! <laughs> that's, that's literally what it'd be. It'll just be game, and then it'll be it. But um, definitely well, shout-outs to my dad. And I definitely, last but not least, you cannot forget all praise to the prime creator, God. Mm-hmm. Sir. Can't forget that. Yeah, well, the, thank you the, so much, Triforce, for being on our show. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on our, on our show. Mike, thank you for getting Triforce on the show. Um, I'll just tell our listeners uh, to please go on iTunes and give us a rating and review. It'll help us get up in the search results. And if you want to find us, um, myself, Ben, uh, Mike, or John, please find us on Facebook. Just search for Playing With Power Podcast. Or you can find us on Twitter at GetThePower88. And as Mike mentioned earlier, we are on Patreon if you want to go on there and send us a few bucks. Um, 
We are on patreon.com slash playing with power. Any final words, guys? Well, if there's any producers or documentary makers that listen to our podcast and have just been wondering what to do with their time, well, you can talk <laughs> to uh, you can talk to Triforce Billy Mitchell, see if you can get something going on. That there you go. Excellent. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'll go ahead and uh, close us out now. I'm Ben. I'm Mike. I'm John. And now you're playing with press pause. <laughs> <laughs>